Yo, what's up? We're back and we have a new surrounding, as you can see, new studio. Uh, I'm Jamil. Welcome to episode 45 of Mealy Stocks as we talk about the card that has no comp. How do we value it? I know that's something you've been thinking about. Let's get into it today. What's up? We're back. Sorry, it's been a little bit of a delay. We've been in some transition here at the shop, and we have now moved into this new studio, which I'm very uh, blessed to be in. Uh, we still have a lot of work to do. Um, this is going to change, of course, how we do our, our backdrops and what we do in this room. It's our break room, um, but it's uh, it's become very, very functional for us, and we're very thankful. Welcome to Mealy Stocks episode 45, as we are now moving into really uh, looking at maybe hitting episode 50, right? Uh, to think about that and to be a part of the Slap Stocks Network and with Aaron and Nate and all the guys and just doing this has been an honor. So uh, I want to get into today's topic today uh, regarding a question that's come up. I get this question a lot, um, but I know Aaron has gotten this question a lot and he told me, hey, maybe you should do an episode on this uh, and answer a lot of questions that I've been getting and you've been getting. So we'll get into the idea of the card that has no comp, the card that you know. How do you assign a value to a car where you can't find anything on it uh, today? As we as we get into Mealy stocks. Um, if you don't know, my name is Jamil. I own the Mealy Pop Shop here in Gainesville, Florida, and we have a lot of things always going on at the shop, including this week we have a trading day. Uh, if you're going to be in uh, Florida and you'll be in the North Florida, Central Florida region, you should definitely come out. It's Saturday. It's October 16th. It's in the shop. We have free food. We have free uh, sodas. And we also will be doing uh, kind of some trade incentives. Uh, two, week, two, uh, two trading days ago, what we used to do is we, uh, we would give away packs if you made trades with people in the store. So uh, we have a lot of fun with it. Uh, it is this Saturday, October 16th. Come on out if you can make it. Would love to, uh, to, love to see you. I'd love to meet new faces. Um, we can't do anything virtually, uh, but we'd love to see you in person. So that's something we got coming up in the shop. I'll be sharing more and more things as we, as we get going on in the fall. Uh, it's going to be a crazy fall, as you guys know it. And looking forward to it uh, in the business world. We talk about is quarter four. So, all right. What happens when you get a chance to buy, trade for? Uh, you get a chance to obtain. Maybe you hit it in a break or something like that as well. A card where there is no comps, and you cannot. I get this question so often. There's nothing on it, and the truth is, there's always something pertaining to it. So. I think before we get into kind of some of a checklist I've created uh, to kind of share with you what I what goes on in my mind, and remember, I'm I'm somebody who does set up at shows, and people try and fleece me all the time. <laughs> people think that uh, if you're a dealer at a show or a car shop or whatever, it's always hey they're going to get the upper hand. Upper, that that's not how it is anymore. People are always kind of tr trying to show me cards, sell me cards, trade me cards, and they come up with some ridiculous comps sometimes. Uh, because the card is so rare. Um, I, I do think it's it's possible um, for there to be a lot of subjectivity in this area, um, depending on who you are, how you evaluate the card, how you look at cards. Are you somebody who collects? Are you somebody who flips? Are you somebody who maybe casually sells? Are you somebody who only sells on eBay, MySlabs, Instagram, Facebook? There's so many different caveats to this, but I think I've, I've come up with a way to maybe break it down for everybody. Uh, and so before we get into that, Let's talk about comps. You know, I think that's the key. Uh, what you know, what are you looking at as a collector, uh, as a flipper, whatever? You know, in terms of 
how you evaluate a, a card. And comps can be very misleading. People can really, really, really uh, be persuasive, uh, can lie about things, can even in some ways um, uh, change the data in the marketplace. Uh, we do live in a time where people are shill bidding. We do live in a time uh, when people are um, having a um, having their way with you know you know maybe coming up with pricing, uh, uh, having somebody's buddy bid on it, somebody else make a private sale on this platform, uh, using a a comp that shows up somewhere on eBay and maybe it's a buy it now that sold for four thousand dollars, but then you go look at one thirty point or you use the alt chrome plugin or whatever and then it shows it was sold for fifteen hundred dollars um, so there's a lot of things and I'd encourage you in this world with comps make sure you're dealing with people that you know and trust and if you don't uh, when you vary out and you, you deal with people who you don't know and trust uh, you're gonna have to deal with potentially some uh, false false data so um, comping for me is is the way I look at it is you know eBay obviously being the the, the sale platform but then taking that data and then looking at it on different platforms as well so Terapeak is a great resource. Um, the PWCC Marketplace. Uh, these are great resources to see past previous data. Uh, there are um, auction house data that you can find as well. Heritage, uh, Golden, and you can look at those. That's for more of the higher end cards and the higher end sets. Um, uh, there's another website called WorthPoint. Uh, I'd encourage you to look at it. I'm not saying you should subscribe to it, but I definitely think it's worth a look at. And the reason why I say that is uh, WorthPoint is a uh, huge data uh, site, pulls, pulls things from auctions and places from years and years past. I like WorthPoint from the simple fact that if there's something very, very rare that I've never seen before, I can at least search WorthPoint and find it that way. All right, so there's kind of the comp world. I mean, however you're pulling the data, make sure you understand how you're doing it. Same thing with um, uh, 130 Point, just another website that doesn't get enough credit. Uh, the people who are in charge of 130 Point, I feel like uh, those folks uh, should should be getting a raise. We should all be giving them something because of what they do to save us uh, so much time and effort when it comes to evaluating things. But let's go through a checklist in my mind of somebody presenting a card to you that's extremely rare. And the words that may come out of their mouth of, oh, I don't know, I can't find anything on it. There's no comps. There's nothing out there, right? Um, let's let's kind of have that discussion. So the first thing I think I want you to ask is, when you look at the card, and this is important for understanding cards for generations, is how rare is the card? So is the card, one, extremely rare in that the print run is very low, the grade in terms of how high the grade is, is very hard? Um, is it a card that pop reports you know, really make sense on? Uh, I hear that a lot now. I'm, I'm getting it so often. Of, oh, here's this, this insert of this card. It's a PSA 10. It's a pop 2. But it's an insert of really nobody or a card that I don't think really many people care for in the market. Will it help you selling it? Maybe you'll get somebody to say, oh wow, it's a pop two or whatever. But I think that there are some things there that you gotta be very mindful of as people approach you with the data that they give you. They're only giving you one side. Um, I think another thing to look at for rarity uh, is the BGS when you go to Beckett and you can create an account for free, I think, on Beckett, is to look at their price guide, but to search things by uh, print run. And maybe there's a, another episode that I could take and show everybody how I do it, but looking at print runs of a product or, or a player, seeing how many cards there are in an actual set of that player. Um, you know, uh, a good example in, in football is like Panini XR. You know, the one of ones in Panini XR, there's something like 40 or 50 or 100 one of ones for every player. 
in that. And checking the checklist, cardboard connection is great. Break the engine, all these places, Beckett has their own you know, breakdown of these things. It's very important to find out how many cards there are in specific sets. <clears throat> now, let's say you pull a, a Brady 101 uh, from 2002 versus a Brady 101 from 2015. You know, very different cards early on in his career. A thing that many of you may not know, uh, Tom Brady only has, uh, I think, 15 true one-of-ones from 2000 to 2003. So 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, four years, Brady's got 14 true one-of-ones outside of plates. I think that's the number. I have to go back and check myself on it, but it's right around there. And the way I know that is just by looking at the Beckett print run and seeing it. So when you find a true one-on-one of Brady, which by the way, you're not going to find them. They're impossible. You know that the reality of that one-of-one is so much more expensive than really a Brady. I use the example of 2015, but let's just say 2005, 2008, 2010. You know, the rarity of that card is so much more. So always, you know, when you're looking up these things, determine how rare the card is. If it's a modern card out of Select, out of Prism, out of Optic, out of any of these brands, Bowman Chrome, um, you're going to see a lot of parallels. You're going to see a lot of cards that are low numbered. So if you can't find the one of one, you might be able to find the one out of five or the one out of three or the one out of 10. And you can kind of make some assumptions and understandings there. This is a very key thing I look at with brands like National Treasures and especially Flawless is you'll have these cards that are so low numbered, uh, but you've got to realize that the card's out of three, but there's one out of five and one out of 10 and one out of 15 that have sold. So making sure you really look and do your research is very, very, very important, okay? I think that is a uh, extremely, extremely uh, important element to look at print runs, seeing how rare the card truly is, understanding the product. Now, when we talk about old cards, vintage cards, um, you, we already know that they're rare. You're looking now more at with vintage cards, uh, unless you're looking at like a test card or something, you're looking more in vintage cards with the population of the graded reports, right? And that's pretty easy to understand. Uh, seeing when the last you know PSA nine of a nineteen fifty seven Willie Mays sold, right? Those kinds of things are very easy. VCP has some some info on there. You can pull that stuff from eBay and PWCC. So I think when you're looking at vintage cards, we're having a different conversation because that's a little bit easier to kind of determine. Um, and if you can't find the vintage card and you can't find a comp in the last year or two, then you really know how rare the card is. You know what I mean? So um, print runs very important. Okay, rarity, very important to understanding kind of what you're looking at. Then the next question is, and I, I think that people get very pigeonholed with this and tunnel vision with this, but has there been a sale? And I'm not talking about a sale of the exact card, but has there been a sale of a similar card? And so the, the, the debate rages on in looking at a card where, let's use uh, Panini Contenders, for example. There may be a base card, auto and then there may be a variation or two variations of that card doesn't mean the variation is a short print it may just mean that the variations are different cards and so one might be pop seven one might be pop eight and the other one might be pop 35 right so there's lower populations of different variations and that might be something you want to take into account but that doesn't discredit the fact that the one with the pop 25 you may want to look at that that price range to understand hey this is where that card's selling and i bring this up because this just came up with me with some trey youngs that i was looking at from 2018-19, which I think is still a great buy, 2018-19 Trey Young Contenders PSA 10 Autos. There you go. There's your nugget of the day. Um, I, I think that there's there's some things as you look at uh, when you when you when you when you evaluate cards and understand the brands and understand how these things you know uh, come out of the packages to really understand is it really that rare and can I find a comp of something. Um, Terapeak has been a great tool. If you don't know what I'm talking about, if you have an eBay store, 
you get access to Terapeak. Terapeak is great because what you can do is pull data on a card from the last six, nine, 12, two years, three years, four years, right? Why is that important? Because, and now we're in a weird time now, right? Because before, people would say to you, oh, well, that was six months ago. Oh, that was a year ago. Oh, that was two years ago. Well, a year and a half ago to uh, six months ago, right, is a vast spectrum of whoop, really high, came down, and now we're kind of leveling back out to where we see cards at normally. So when you look and you think and you consider these things, um, remember that 12 months ago or during basketball season or right around the championship or the Super Bowl or the uh, Stanley Cup or the World Series, right? All those things come into play when you're looking at comps and looking at when things sold. So I encourage you, if you don't have access to Terapeak, to, to use it because it does pull some good data. The caveat to Terapeak is uh, when you're looking at uh, buy it nows, right? And you're looking at buy it now, buy it best offer, those kinds of things, it doesn't pull that data correctly. So you have to kind of understand the limitations that you work with when you are using these tools. So understanding those factors when you look at a card that maybe you want to want or extremely short printed or hasn't sold forever, uh, you got to do your research, right? Um, I love parallels because if there's a parallel with a 101, a 1 out of 10, 1 out of 25, 1 out of 50, 1 out of 99, 1 out of 225, whatever, right? Out of 500, you can at least kind of gauge some things. Uh, Bowman Chromeheads, the baseball guys, uh, who have their multipliers, right, with the different color iterations, a superfractor, uh, a blue, I'm sorry, a superfractor, a red, um, a gold, um, uh, I'm sorry, before that an orange, a gold, right, a blue, all these different things they look at. I think going to find some of those, and, I, and Nate's a great resource here uh, on Slapstocks, but to look at some of those multipliers and how people look at cards, I think that it's, it's not a bad option to consider some of that and apply some of that when you look at basketball, when you look at football, when you look at hockey, when you look at soccer, when you look at Pokemon. Uh, Pokemon not so much because they're not short printed, but uh, <laughs> you get what I'm you get what I'm saying there. I think that there's some some viability to helping you understand that. So as you go through and you're looking at all these factors, the rarity, you're looking for some sort of similarity of a sale. Uh, you may, if they're graded cards, want to take into account the pop reports, right? If the card has only been graded once, right? and there's no nothing higher than that, there's always gonna be a premium for that. But if the card is a base card or a card that's not that popular or a card to me that isn't that rare, right? It's only a matter of time before that population changes. Um, uh, a good example is this, 2014 World Cup Prism. Uh, I've been looking at that. I actually have run some sales recently, uh, done some things with that. Uh, there's a lot of low pop in that because people haven't graded a lot of those cards. A lot of the cards are in bad shape. You don't think you're gonna get a 10. Most of them get nines. So there's a lot of cards that are nines, pop nine, I'm sorry, pop one, PSA nine, highest in the pop, and that's great. I think that makes the card worth something. But you gotta be careful with that, right? If it's not a major player, does it really make that card super expensive because there isn't a 10, right? Um, I think that those things are, are important to consider in how you understand uh, PSA. Now for set collectors, that PSA 10 is, is a diamond in the rough. But I'm just talking about from the single card perspective, and I hope you guys uh, understand that. Um, the, the, the other thing I, I would encourage you to consider is the idea about the player market or the team market, right? So understanding a LeBron James card in the offseason, during the season, during the playoffs, if he wins the championship, if he gets knocked out of the playoffs, right? All those elements are so key to understanding how you evaluate a card, where you're looking at the market as well. Um, and I think we used to live in a time where the, where the, the season mattered a lot, right? Now we live in a time where I think you look at someone like Patrick Mahomes last season, you know, his prices 
were so high as he, as he grew and as he made the Super Bowl, uh, and they were baked in, as people like to use that term, uh, into into his pricing structure. Tom Brady as well. He goes on to win the Super Bowl. He sees an initial little blip, but then you also see a drop on Tom Brady, and it's like, what's going on there? So there's a lot of things at play when you're evaluating these high-end cards. Uh, I don't think, like, when I meet people and they bring me these cards, I might have a 10 15-minute conversation and trying to determine that evaluation. I think that's super key uh, to, to, to how you look at a card, how you evaluate a card. Um, I don't think comps are the, are the end all. I do think comps can be deceiving. I also think comps can uh, be very low sometimes. Maybe somebody gets a card as a buy it now uh, on eBay for a steal and they want to sell it to you for 10% more than that, that last comp. Now, sometimes I might buy that if I think that they got a real big steal on that. Good for them. They found the card. But it's just one of those things as you as you go through this and you consider and you start to weigh out, right? You start to really consider to for yourself what is, you know, the purpose of me buying this card? Is it for a collection? Is it for a flip? Is it for somebody else? Whatever. You have to kind of consider those factors. Rarity being I think the most important uh, with it. I think you have to look at the print runs. I think you have to see um, uh, you know, if there's been some sort of a similar sale. Uh, you have to go and do your research on that uh, because if not, you can really, really, really uh, miss the mark. Um, you know, I think that the last comp, which is a term a lot of people use, um, is a comp that I think, or is a term that I think uh, people are maybe overusing sometimes. I think you can really get distorted by last comp sometimes when there's a comp the same day or the comp the day before, right? You have to average those things or maybe even a week before. Um, I think that you got to be smart about how you look at that. Um, really take into account really the last week sales, maybe the last two week sales. You know, if the last comp was a month ago and the one before that was, you know, eight weeks ago, you know, then you have, you know, you know some leeway to kind of discuss what the heck the card's value is. So those are some things that I think about. Um, I can give you some examples all the time of cards. You know, um, <laughs> a card I have right now is a good example. A PSA 9, um, Kobe Bryant Gold 2009 Refractor. It's a great card. You never see the card in a high grade at all. And the fact is there is no 9.5s of that card back in 9.5s. There's no PSA 10s of that card. So the PSA 9 is actually, I guess, the highest valued version of the card. It's an 0910. It's a gold chrome. It's uh, Steph Curry's rookie year. It's the card with Durant on it. Uh, there's a lot of factors to that card that make that card super appealing, but you can't find a comp on that card, and how you determine the valuation of it is super key. I love I loved when you get cards and you ask maybe 5 or 10 or 15 people in, in your world what you think the value of it is, and if the disparity is like this, then you know you have a card that you really, really, really got to be keen on. But when the disparity is like this, yeah, you got your answer, okay? So I hope that helps you today. Hopefully you guys can take something from that. It's good to be back to see everybody on uh, Mealy Stocks. I'll check the comments out as I can. Um, I, I think this is a topic that there's a lot of questions and I think feel free to shoot them in the comment section. I'll try and get to them. Uh, it's not an actual, it's not an easy topic because you kind of have to treat it case by case. But hopefully I'll give you something to chew on and we'll see you.